0: That's a glorious event. A young couple took an eight-year or nine-mile 80 journey from Nazareth to the north of Israel down to Bethlehem, which is close to Jerusalem. So a woman was with child. But this was a normal event. They got into Bethlehem just in time for that baby to be born. That's the incarnation. God came into history in the form of a human being. And the song we just sang. Our salvation depends on that baby being born, living a sinless life, and then giving his life on the cross to pay the debts of all his people. So wonderful is his name. I preached a lot of sermons on the birth of Christ over the course of 55 years preaching. I did some gleaning, but I want to do it in a simple way today. I want you kids to listen, even. Sometimes you kids don't listen. I know you don't because I want you. (laughs) But I want you to listen today, okay? And uh, I'm going to call this an elementary elementary look at the birth of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25 and Luke 2, 1 through 21. Just read it and talk about it a little bit. But I want to get around some facts first of all, though. Number one, Jesus Christ came on time. He came on time. God's always on time. It said in Galatians chapter four, verse four, But well, when the fullness of the time has come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of children. So he came on time. I preached a sermon before on that, being on time. I'm not going to do it today because it kind of give you all some other things. But he came exactly on time. God's always on time. That's his first coming. Guess what? He's going to come on time the second coming also. I'm looking for that. I hope you are too. We say, Lord, hurry up. Well, he's, he's hurrying in a way. He said, I'll come quickly. In his way, he is coming quickly. Uh, but he's, we, that's, it's his, his quickly, not our quickly. But we ought to want him to come. In fact, the last prayer of the Bible is, even so come Lord Jesus. And may God stir us up that we would sincerely pray that prayer. Even so come Lord Jesus. What a glorious day that will be. Uh, he's coming again. He's going to be on time. Oh, there in Peter it says, you know, some people said well, does the Lord slack concerning country said, no, he's not slack during his promise. He's long-suffering to us for his children. Now, one of the Indians should perish for all come to repentance. And you know what's going to happen these days? This is going to be an awesome thing. We don't know where it'll happen or where it'll be, what continent it'll be on, what race it'll be. One of these days, the last child of God will be born. And then born again. And then he'll come again. we got eight million people in the world today, at least eight billion, And so... Some of these days, folks, there's going to be a great day, isn't it? The last child of God be <laughs> born, and born again, and here she comes. One year for the Lord is a thousand days, a thousand years in one day. So he came on time. Now, let's, I want you kids to listen to this part, okay? How about how controls events? See, Caesar Augustus was a great emperor of Rome. See, what about, what about a name? He gave himself that name, Augustus. That, not much humility there. He, I'm ruling the world, I'm Caesar Augustus. I need some money. I'm going out a decree that all the world will be taxed. And this is the old days. There wasn't any cell phones. There wasn't any kind of modern communications. And so you look at this timing here about the birth of Jesus Christ and take take courage. God's still controlling things that way today. Yeah. All right. Mary has got to be uh, with child of the Holy Spirit at a certain time. She's going to go through that period of gestation for nine months, like normal women do. And uh, they're up in Nazareth, in Cedarwell, in Rome. He can get that message to down to Judea or Matt Nazareth just in time for Joseph to get the message and get on that horse, I guess the old horse, and take off down there for that baby he born on time. How about that? He over to Rome, there's no C. Augustus, I think I'm sovereign. God's using him, my folks. And the Lord Jesus Christ got here on time. It's an amazing thing. You think about that. Sometimes you wanna get some encouragement. The first time I thought about that I just did a jig just about. God, you're so great, you control everything. So he came on term, on time. Uh, and I want to talk to you a little bit now about the facts of his, the journey that they had to take and I want to encourage you Bible this, learn how to use maps it would be a great, you, I've got a map down here on the table, kind of a simple map, you can have it and I can reproduce it if you want it but you can get them out of Bible atlases. You, you can Google them and look at that journey they took from Nazareth down to uh, Bethlehem I'll read you just a little bit about this Over 2,000 years ago Joseph and Mary made a journey from Nazareth to Galilee. There's, 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 there's in Galilee, this northern Israel, to Bethlehem, their ancestral home, a few miles south of Jerusalem, west of the Dead Sea. of the threat of bandits on the road, it's quite lucky that the couple traveled with a caravan of other travelers for natural support and safety. So think about that. Here they are now. They're going down probably in a caravan, coming from Nazareth all the way down to, and there are two, there are two routes. They, one of these they took. We don't know which one it was. The so called trade route or the Jordan River Valley route. Hint, hint, uh, parents, get some of these maps and have a good Bible study with your kids. That'll be a lot of fun to look at that. Uh, so I'll just kind of cut to the chase here. One route was 80 miles, one of them was 90 miles. Traveling at about 10 miles per day. It would have taken Joseph and Mary about eight to ten days to reach their destination. Regardless of the, out, of the route, the journey would have been very arduous and quite probably a scary prospect for the young pregnant mother. Isn't that something? That touched my heart. Oh, Joseph was a good, he wasn't Christ's father. Uh, God the father was his father. But Mary was his mother, the incarnation. But Joseph was a good man, wasn't he? So here they go down to Bethlehem for that baby to be born. What a day that was! And you know what? God hides these things from the wise and prudent, reveals them into babes. That's what Jesus Christ rejoiced about that. Over in Matthew eleven, the Lord rejoiced in spirit and said, "Father, I thank thee, Lord of heaven and earth, that had hidden these things, the wise and prudent, had revealed them into babes. If He revealed up to you, you all thank God for that, because God did that. There are a lot of wise and prudent." They wouldn't care a whit of what I'm talking about today. But guess what happened when he came? Do you think that he told the San Diego court what are you going to do? All those big doctors of the law, those rabbis running around thinking they own the world. Self-righteous Pharisees. He showed, he showed some poor old shepherds. Old, the kind of despised profession. And the Lord is still, my friend, revealing these things to the, his children. So if he's revealed himself to you, you ought to hallelujah. You ought to say it out loud. You probably won't do it. It wouldn't hurt. Well say hallelujah praise God He revealed himself to me He he did then also Now let me say this I'm not going to talk about this I'm just going to mention it to you What's your appetite I started to do this but I'm not going to do it I want to keep it simple today Uh, His birth fulfilled many many prophecies It's amazing the number of prophecies That minutely talk about The birth and life and death of the Lord Jesus Christ Uh, If you want to list them I can give you hundreds of prophecies they talk about that. My new fulfillment. you all gotta excuse me for uh, I got I'm running a little bit on the road here. Anyway though, so I got lists and lists. I've got one book by John Fred John Maldon called The Messiah in Both Testaments. And to read that is like eating a spiritual state. I'm glad God now let me say this though. Okay, there are about eight billion people in the world today. About eight billion people, something like that. You only going to know six things about somebody to identify them out of eight billion. And so, so what I'm saying is there's hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that delineate Jesus Christ. Let me just give you what I'm talking about, all right? You want to identify me out of eight billion people? Let me how you do this. Six facts it only takes. First of all, what continent am I on? Well, I'm on the North American continent, that's number one. What country am I on? I'm the United States of America, that's fact number two. What state do I live in? I live in Tennessee. What city do I live in? I live in Memphis, Tennessee. What street do I live on? I live at 816 Berkeley. And what's my name? My name is Zach Guest. Six facts. I've identified myself out of 8 billion people. My friend God went out of his way to show people about his son. Detail, detail, detail about even the old junior where he would be born. They knew he'd be born in Bethlehem. Those old Jewish rabbis knew that much. So we're excuse if we don't believe in the divinity and birth of our precious Savior. All right. Now I'm going to just give you a, uh, this is kind of a, uh, a bonus for you. I, I was going to preach on 1, 2, 3. Someday I'm going to preach on 1, 2, 3. Uh, it's not original, Matt. I got it from Al Mohler. I thought he did a pretty good job. Number one, there's one God, right? The Bible said there's one God. That's what he said over Deuteronomy. Do there's one God. We're a monotheist. We're not polytheist. That's number one. Two is, Jesus Christ had two natures in one person. Not two persons, two natures. The divine nature and the human nature. That's two. Number three is, my friend, we believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Those are incomprehensible in a way, but the Bible makes that plain. To be a Christian, you've got to believe those things. You've you got to believe it to be a Christian. I'm telling you this. You've got to believe there's one God. You've got to believe that. Not polytheists. We've got a world full of polytheists. Our country the Christian, you get lots of polytheists in our country. There's one God, Jesus Christ, had two natures, the divine and the human. One person, two natures. Can't totally describe that. Can't at all, hardly. But there's also God, even though he's one God, he, there's three persons in the Trinity. I love 1 John 5, 7. There's three that are reckoned in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. I hope you believe that. I believe with all my heart. You know I love the Trinity so much when Judy and I moved to Clint, Kentucky back in the 70's we named that little church Trinity Chapel, Primitive Baptist Church. I love the doctrine of the Trinity so much. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They always cooperate together. That's what I believe about salvation. God Almighty the Father chose the people in Jesus Christ before the world began. Jesus Christ my friend died for that same number in total to cooperation with His Father. The Holy Spirit, my friend, the third person in the Trinity, called each one of those children that God chose and Christ died for to be born again sometime between their conception and their death. Perfect cooperation. Now, I'm not running anybody down, but a lot of people don't believe that. They think God wanted to save the whole world, but He couldn't do it if you don't cooperate. People believe, my friend, some people believe that God died for everybody. He did not die for everybody. He died for the elect. God gets what He paid for. He gets what He paid for. So, those are great doctrines. Now, I'm going to talk about the Virgin birth a minute. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. The Holy Ghost came upon Mary. And I'm going to read you two men that I respect very much, and I agree with what they say. One is J.C. Ryle. He was an old Anglican, but he was a good guy. He was a good writer. And he was a very godly man every day, from what I read about him. Talk about the, now, the incarnation, big word, kids, it simply means God became a man. That's what it means. God became a man. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. The Word became flesh. The Word, my friend, was God before the world began. In the beginning of the Word, the Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Then verse 14 of John 1, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now you know what we ought to do? And I want to encourage me to do it, you too. We need to stand at all things like this. We hear them all the time. It's easy for them to become commonplace. Make we wonder, my friend. Maybe we wonder at the birth of the Son of God and everything about Him. I want God to give me a sense of wonder about Him. If I have that, my problems won't seem so great. I'll have greater, different priorities. Things won't, they won't bother me as much as they do. God wants us to keep our mind focused on His Son. The Holy Spirit, my friend, it reveals the things of God to us. So I want to encourage you today, keep your mind on the precious Lord and the things about the said about Him. I've heard them all my life. I'm 82 years old. But I hope to God they don't become old to me. I hope they become better and better and better to me and newer and newer all the time. All right, here's what J.C. Riles said about the Incarnation. The Incarnation. Here we must stop. The way in which all of this was brought about is why it is hidden from us. Now I'm just going to talk about the virgin birth person. He has some good thing to say about it. But he won't have it perfectly uh, down. He, he, won't, he can't explain the whole thing. I want him to explain a lot of it. The Bible gives a lot about it. but we, It's a great mystery. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Now John Gill said this. His incarnation, the incarnation of Christ, is a most extraordinary and amazing affair. Is wonderful indeed. This should be brought about by the power of the Holy Ghost in a way unseen, imperceptible, and unknown. I agree with those, those brethren. What a great doctrine. But I believe it. You know what? You believe it too, don't you? You know why you believe it? Because when you're born again, God wrote the truth of this Bible in your heart. That's why you believe it. That's why you thrill about it. If it's precious to you, the reading is precious. When God calls you to be born again, He wrote His truth in your heart. There's something inside you that says amen when you hear it preached. Even when you're young and don't t- totally understand it. There's something inside there that grabbed a hold of you. Aren't you glad of that? All right. Now, let me just say this again. I want to make this real plain. Don't get it. I want you to get this right. The God-man is one person with two natures, the divine and the human. We don't believe in two persons. Christ had the divine nature. And he had a human nature but one person. Now I'm going to talk about two reasons for the incarnation before I get to read that I'll tell you to the read. There's two reasons why the Lord, and maybe more than that, but we know two reasons for sure he became incarnate. Number one was to save his people from their sins. Adam, my friend, by disobedience brought destruction and damnation on the entire human race. The law was broken by man. The law had to be fulfilled by man. It was impossible for a mere man to do that. So we had to have the divine man, the God-man. So For while one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so the obedience of one shall many be saved. The obedience of Jesus Christ. So let's let's look at our verse. Everybody in this church knows this verse. Our kids know this verse. Hope you always know it. The first verse, my friend, that was precious to me when I was a little kid is Matthew one do Don't get tired of that great verse. She shall bring forth a son... She, Mary, shall bring forth a son, a human being. She, the natural way like women have babies. She had a baby. She shall bring forth a son. That shall call his name Jesus. That word means Jehovah saves. For he shall save who? His people from their sins. The whole Bible in one verse, isn't it? He came, my friend, to save his people from their sins. We need to thank God for that. I preached a funeral yesterday. I preached lots of funerals. If I live long enough, I will preach a lot more funerals. Someday somebody will preach my funeral. I'm heading my friend. Unless Christ comes again, there will be a generation here when he comes. And they'll just be changed. But you need to think about, like Ida said earlier, think about our mortality. Make the best of your life. Kids, live for God now. Don't wait until you get older. Live for him right now. As an old man, I tell you, I regret all the time I've waited and had to serve God. Now, I'm not wanting you to get frenetic, don't get frenetic, then legalistic, but just serve God all your might. It's, it's kind of, a, you're relaxing or interjecting at the same time. You're resting in Jesus Christ, you're working like all good out at the same time. Isn't that good? See, I'm going to tell you what my old eye doctor told me the other day. Old Dr. White. I love old White. He talks, we, we talk a lot of Bible. And he said, you know, and he, and he's not an antinomian. He doesn't believe the love of sin that grace may abound. He's a godly man. He said, you know what happens? He, he admits he got a hot temper. And I, we, we identify that because old Zach got one too. He said, I'll blow off my temper. But he said, I'll say, but God, you love me anyway. And he's not trying to excuse sin. You remember that. If you're a child of God, he loves you anyway. So repent get close to him again. If you mess up, the devil will say, you can't get back close to God. You're, you're, you're a stinking hypocrite. But yeah, you can get back close to God. If you're born again, if he loves you, he always will love you. So that's what we got to do. We live life energetic, but relaxed at the same time. Indescribable, isn't it? It's wonderful. My friend, enjoy God. Enjoy serving God. It's the most joyous thing that this world's ever seen. The world has no true happiness. Only God's children have lasting joys and solid pleasures. The devil is a deceiver. He wants us to, to deceive us and say, try this little sin, try that little sin, and just after every time we do it, we need to walk close to God. What a great God we have. So the other reason, and this is also beautiful, why the Lord Jesus took on himself a human nature was that he might be able to sympathize with us in our troubles. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. This is glorious. This is absolutely glorious. I'm going to start at Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 14. For as much then as the children, that's us, God's children, are protected of flesh and blood, that simply means we're human beings, he also himself likewise took part of the same. He became a human being also. He's a real human being. You know, in the Bible, it's confusing sometimes. Sometimes his divinity is emphasized, sometimes his humanity is emphasized. And they don't contradict each other. But sometimes God put the emphasis on humanity. He even grew in stature and in wisdom and in with God and fell with men. How about that? That's, that, that, that's his humanity is exercising right there. This being emphasized, I mean. But there's also a divinity. So when you are reading the Bible, don't be confused. His humanity is a reality and his divinity is a reality. But anyway, this right now, his humanity primarily. Let's read that again. For as much then as the children are protected of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death... He might destroy him that had the power of death. That's the devil. He destroyed the, the devil because he, he still, it's kind of like when you uh, stomp on a, a snake's head sometimes. The snake will keep wiggling. He's really a dead. He's really dead, but he still can cause a little trouble by wiggling around. That's what the devil doing, around, He He's wiggling around. He, he's pretty dangerous. Wiggles So stay away from him. But I pray my friend, his fate was nailed when Jesus Christ said it's finished. His fate was nailed. He destroyed him, my friend. He'll be catching the hell some of these days. We'll be so glad he is. And deliver them who through fear of death, don't be afraid to die kids, you hear me, and grown up, don't, to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. If you worry about dying all the time, you can't enjoy living. The Apostle Paul, if he had been worried about dying, he could have done what he did. He had people after him his whole life trying to kill him. Insane people. You remember that time, 40 men made a solemn vow, we will not eat till Paul's dead. Well, if, that, if, they, if they took to that they started to death. But he had people hating him like that. He, he, he got, look at the catalog of his sufferings in 2 Corinthians 11, about how many times he was shipwrecked and beaten and stuff like that. But he kept on going. He wasn't afraid to die. Don't you be afraid to die either. I'm going to tell you something. The, there's a scripture that says this. I think it's Ecclesiastes. But the day you die, if you're a child of God, it'll be the best day of your life. Oh, that's terrible, brother Zach. I dread death. What are you dreading death for? That's the time when you get to see Jesus Christ. That's the time troubles are all over with. Paul said to depart, be with Christ, which is far better. He told the thief on the cross today, you will be with me in paradise. I'm not saying, look, try to get, get you well to stay here as long as you need to be here. God wants you here for a reason or you wouldn't be here today. You know, if you get old and infirm, I've heard people do this. and if, if, if I, I'm going to just tell you right now. I've seen people say, well, I'm just a burden on my family. So what? you give them a blessing by being on a family. God gets you here for a reason if you're still alive. It may be the best prayer you've ever done. You know, God answers prayer. After you're dead, if you, some things you pray, he'll still answer those prayers after you're gone. I heard about a man one time who had a bunch of kids, and they weren't, they weren't saved children. They were just ungodly children. He prayed for them all the time. Somebody said, aren't you getting tired of praying for them? It's not doing any good. He said, I'm going to keep praying for them until I die. God may convert them after I'm dead. And lo and behold, he converted a whole bunch of them after he died. So you die praying. Get those last requests in before you die. If you're on a sick bed and can't do anything else, that may be the best praying you've ever done. God's got a reason for you to be here. One reason, my friend, we've got is let our light so shine before men that may see our good works glorify our Father which is in heaven. We need to be a salt and light while we're here. You're a blessing to this world if you're a child of God. They may hate your guts, but my friend, you're know, the best thing that ever happened in this world. Is God's children? The Best thing that ever happened in the United States is had some of God's children here. For as much as the children are protected of flesh and blood, he also himself, likewise, took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death and deliver them who through fear of death all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, this is I'm going to keep reading. This is wonderful stuff. For verily, he took not on him the uh, nature of angels. But he took on him the seed of Abraham. Abraham is a human being. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. We're his brethren. Isn't that wonderful expression? We're his brethren. He's our elder brother. Somebody said I never had a big brother. You got a big brother in Jesus Christ. Wherefore in all th- My daddy had some a brother. Jimmy was Uncle Jimmy was my daddy's brother. And my daddy had uh, uh, rheumatoid arthritis when he was a kid. He got over it, thankfully. But Uncle Jimmy is some sometimes people jump on him, and Uncle Jimmy beat him up. He's a big brother. My friend, you got a big brother. If old Satan comes after you, the Lord knows how to give him a knockout blow. We got a big brother you can trust. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest and thankful attaining to God. To make reconciliation the sins of his people. Now let's keep reading. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He, he was tempted. He suffered everything you're going to suffer. He is able to succor, let me comfort them that are tempted. Isn't that wonderful? Christ knows what you're going through. Study his life. He got tired. He had to sit down on that uh, well over there in the fourth chapter of uh, John. He said, I'm thirsty on the cross. He's a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He had friends to desert him like Peter. And and terrible so-called friends let Jesus carry it. Whatever you've gone through, he's gone through it. He knows how to step out of you. You can cast all your care upon him for he cares. He understands. Isn't it good when people understand? You know, I I can comfort some people by saying, I uh, I feel sorry for you. That's good, but I can also comfort people by saying, yeah, I've gone through that myself. Like when we lost our baby back in 1991, we can genuinely sympathize with people who've lost a child. It means more. So, my friend, thank God, our precious Savior knows everything you're going through, and he cares. Isn't that wonderful? Now, I'm going to glean from that. I want to read now, and we'll... uh, Make a few comments. We go through Matthew 1, 18, the, through the end of the chapter, and then we'll go to the book of Luke, and I'll be through. This is not a well organized sermon and I didn't intend for it to be. I said, Lord, I want you to just kind of let me do what I can here. Now, this, this is wonderful, isn't it? Parents, read this to your kids. You can, you can read it this time of year anytime time you want to. Read it to them. Have a good time reading this. Sit down and read this. Not just a few verses here. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When he Mother Mary would espouse to Joseph before they came together. She was found a child of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit came on, upon her. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. What a good man. His, his, his heart was probably broken. He, he, this little one he loved so much. He thought she had been unfaithful to him. Brother, God let him know that wasn't the case at all. But he, was a good man, wasn't he? He didn't hate her. He tried to make it as easy for as he possibly could. What a good man Joseph was. But while, and I just love these verse 20 and 21. But while he thought on these things, you can imagine him thinking on these things, can't you? Lord, what am I going to do? Lord, this is awful. Thinking on these things. While he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph. Thou son of David, fear not to take in thee, Mary, thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son, that shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I bet Joseph enjoyed that verse too, don't you? Now all this is done that might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, that's over in Isaiah 7, by the way. The holy virgin shall be with child. She shall bring forth a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us, God walking around the face of this earth, the God and man. I wrote a pamphlet one time to refute some Jehovah's Witnesses. And I don't mind calling that a name. I'm not, uh, they don't believe that Jesus is God. But I had, a, one time I wrote this little pamphlet showing the Godhead of Jesus Christ, man, the recklessly he performed. He raised the dead. He had a power of the waves and the winds. He read people's minds. God manifest in the flesh. These things, then uh, Joseph, being raised from the dead, I mean, being raised from the sleep, I mean, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. That's, well, I'll read the last verse. And you heard not, until she had brought forth her firstborn, and he called his name Jesus. Now, there's a lot can be said about that. But that's all I'm going to do. I want to go to Luke chapter two now and read a little bit over there. Now I hope you'll do this yourself and uh, with your families, and ask God to give you a sense of awe as you do it. All right, Luke two, one through twenty-one. You know, our country's changed a whole lot. You can't even pray in the school or anything like that. When I was a kid, I went to White, State, White, White Station High School for three years. And you know what they had in the foyer? Uh, I can remember this just like it yesterday. In the foyer, year, there, they had a great big family Bible laid out there. And every year during Christmas time, it laid out here on Luke 2. I can remember walking over there with a sense of awe and reading that account right there in school. I wish it that way again. I, can just, I just, I kind of got goosebumps reading that big old Bible right there. I watched that in high school. It's such sweet language. Let's read this. Let's see what I want to. Well, I'm in the wrong book as Mark, I thought it was kind of strange. <laughs> folks, rejoice. We got something to rejoice in. Okay, beautiful language, beautiful language. And it came to pass in those days that when I, a decree from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be taxed. And this taxing was done, was made, was first made when Cyrenius <coughs> was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. Isn't that amazing? Prophecy many hundred years before he'd be born in Bethlehem. Here's the fulfillment of prophecy. The Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. That means the house of bread. That's beautiful, too. He's the bread of life because he's the house and lineage of David. To so be taxed with Mary, his spouse wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days of were accomplished that she should be delivered. We all know that baby's gonna come on time. She brought forth her firstborn son. Just think about this. We got a lot of precious kids in this church. I just love babies. They're so sweet, aren't they? Nothing like it. And she brought forth her firstborn son. Wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Laid him in a manger. So there's no room for them in the end. It's part of his humiliation born in poverty and, died and buried in a barred tomb even though he created this world is it amazing how he identified with us and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and lo the angel of the Lord came upon them the glory of the Lord shone round about them they were so afraid let's think about that, meditate on that Make like you're one of those shepherds. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Isn't that great? I just love the expression, don't you? Good tidings of great joy. That's what the gospel is. That's a definition of the gospel. Definition of the gospel. Good tidings of great joy. And we ought to be rejoicing in that. May God give us a spirit of rejoicing. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That word Christ means Messiah, the anointed one. Anointed. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Man, look at this. Look at this. Put yourself in their shoes. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host. Praising God and saying, my, my, what a sight that must have been. The heavenly host, a bunch of them. I bet those guys can really sing. Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That message should cheer your heart this very day. I'll say it it again. Glory to God in the highest. (laughs) On earth, peace, goodwill toward men. It came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord had made known unto us. And they came with haste. They didn't mess around. They got out as fast as they could. They wanted to see this. And found Mary and Joseph the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the same, which was told them concerning this child. They couldn't keep their mouths shut. They told everybody about it. Kind of reminds me of when my first baby was born. Hannah, up at Union City General Hospital, uh, in Union, Union City the General Hospital up there. And when I had Hannah, uh, I walked to that hospital, and everybody I saw, said, hey, guess what, I got a girl, I got a girl. But everybody smiled at me, of course. I had some, some bubblegum cigars I gave away too. <laughs> but I, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I was so thrilled. My friend, that's what we ought to about Jesus Christ. May God bless us, even where we can say, get, tell, hey, I got good news for you. I got good news for you. All they that heard this heard it wondered in those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. For all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And so that's as far I'm going to go. I'm not going to go any further. I think I'll just quit. I think I'll just quit. Hallelujah. My friend, we have a glorious Savior that came to this earth, became man to save us from our sins. And he sympathizes with you and he knows how to, to comfort you in all your troubles.